John chapter 15. Hey, can we just give it up for Stephen for a second here who was on the drums this morning? Come on, let's give it up for him. Come on, he did a great job today. When I first came in practice this morning, I looked from a distance. I was like, that kind of sounds like Brother Ronnie, but that's not Brother Ronnie, but it kind of looks like Brother Ronnie. And then when I got closer, I'm like, man, Stephen did an amazing job today. Haas, do you approve? Okay, Haas, you know, he's, there's the hierarchy of drummers around here. There's Brother Ronnie, there's Haas. Got to put Steve right in there. Bruce, he's somewhere in the mix, though. He'll throw down on you on drums. So, Steve, he did a great job this morning. I want to say real quick before we get going, we started the series about Stranger Things, talking about the supernatural. And uh, during this series, we, we meant to mention this last week, but in the back there, um, we have Dad's uh, syllabus on angels and demons for you guys to buy if you want. And it's for $10, which is cheaper than it normally costs. And so I talked to him about it. Such a deal. I got you a discount, church family. And uh, so they're $10 each. The reason we wanted to put these out there is because there's a lot more to angels and demons than what we can say on Sunday morning. So it would be good for you guys, if you want to know more about angels and demons, to go back there and buy one. So here's the angel one. It's back there, $10. And then there's the, uh, the one on deliverance and demons, which is $10. Or you can get both of them. For $20. Yes, I am a mathematician also. So uh, it would be good to go back there. And once again, because, you know, when we're preaching on Sunday morning, we're not trying to go down every rabbit trail about angels and demons and get into stuff uh, that doesn't help your everyday life. We're not preaching that kind of stuff on Sunday morning. I mean, some of that is, I call it spiritual brain candy food. Uh, It's like fun to think about, but sometimes it's like, well, let's just get down to the stuff you need to know. So that's what I'm preaching to you. But if you want to study more, get more in-depth to uh, the subject of angels and demons, uh, go back there and buy those. $10 each. So Colossians 1, this is a theme verse for us for this series. Colossians 1 and verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Notice this, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Key verse. Now I said there's a key verse. Notice what? Christ did. He made the things we can see, and he made the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everybody say the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So we see that everything that God created, he created the seen and the unseen, the visible and the invisible today. So I'm going to continue today talking about this Stranger Things series, and we're going to talk some more about angels today. Is that okay? We're going to talk about angels a little bit more this morning. And I want to start with just giving some foundation before we go any further into this series and mention a couple things we mentioned last week. So we see that Jesus Christ, he is the visible image of the invisible God. And he is the one who created everything that we can see and that we can't see. So he created this 
world he created the universe he created the planets he created the stars he created the animals he created the trees the mountains the oceans the beach man i wish i was there right now okay he created he created everything we can see he created us you can see us and he created the visible or the seen but he also created the unseen so there's two worlds that are happening simultaneously. There is the seen world or the natural, and then there's the unseen, which is the supernatural. You follow me so far? But we as human beings live in the natural. Even though we are spirits, that's the true us. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. We are living a natural life in a natural world because we live in a physical body. But unless our spirit man is enlightened to the other world, we are unaware of it. And we can walk in this planet like a lot of people do. They're living their life in the natural thinking that this is all there is. That everything that they can just see with these two eyes is all there is. That there is nothing more. If I can't see it or if it's invisible, I'm not going to believe in it. But the Bible says there is two worlds. And unless God would reveal himself to you, that you can't see into that other world. But it's not unreal. Unseen does not mean unreal. Because God created the unseen and the seen. The visible and the invisible. And the truth is, the invisible realm is more powerful than the visible realm. The unseen world or the supernatural world is more powerful than the natural world and when we get born again we are awakened to the other world the supernatural and we know this can go for the positive and the negative there's people that are awakened to the dark side of the supernatural world which is real as well we're going to talk about that in a few more weeks but that's real also but we realize that a lot of times we can't see it or sense it because we live life as human beings who have five physical senses, and if we can't see it or taste it or touch it or hear it or any of those things, we say, well, it's not real. But you can't see into the supernatural world with these eyes. And you can't hear into the supernatural world with these ears. You can't understand things in the supernatural world without God revealing himself to you. With God giving you the ability to see into that other world and to understand that other world. But it's more powerful than the world we live in. You guys are okay? I'm just trying to give you a foundation of where we're going today. But the supernatural world is real and there are real spiritual beings in the other world. In the other realm. Good and bad. Ultimately God. But it's another world or an unseen world realm that we are not a part of kind of like when we get born again we're a part of two worlds at the same time we got the natural pulling on us the seen and we got the supernatural pulling on us which is the unseen and so constantly that's why the bible says you're in a fight because your spirit's wanting to go this way and your flesh and your mind are wanting to go this way even though you're a supernatural being So we see here that just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real because God created it. It is real, and it is actually stronger, more powerful than the realm or the world that we live in. 
where he created these spiritual beings in heaven, in earth, in the universe, good and bad, he created them. And sometimes it's hard to perceive them with our natural eyes and natural ears. So let me give you a verse, and I mentioned this last week, but let me give you a verse for it. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 says, Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now listen to this. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Keep that up there. I mentioned this last week, but I just wanted to give you a verse to make sure that you knew I was quoting a verse, not just making it up. (laughs) So I talked about last week, and I just mentioned this earlier, the unseen world is actually more powerful, greater, stronger than the natural seen world that we live in. Why? Because the seen world is temporary. It says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Every mountain you see, every tree you see, every ocean you see, even each other, eventually, we're not going to exist in this natural body. Eventually, there's no longer going to be an earth. That's what the Bible says. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And so everything you see right now is temporary. Your body is temporary. The trees are temporary. Your house is temporary. Your car is temporary. Your job is temporary. This pulpit is temporary. Everything is temporary that you see with your eyes. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And they're more powerful and they're greater than what we could ever imagine. So that's why it says we got to look at the things that are not seen we got to look into that spirit world because that's what matters. Those are the things that are eternal. Stop focusing on things that are just seen because those are only temporary. Only temporary. But we see that this unseen world is more powerful because it's eternal. But everything we can see with these natural eyes or hear with these natural ears is temporary. So we need to understand that God created all these things, seen and unseen, visible and invisible. And the important part you need to know about this is because he created it, he has authority over it. And also as his children, he's given you and I authority over these spiritual beings, both good and evil. But we need to focus our eyes on the unseen, the invisible, the supernatural. And I realize it's hard to because we live in a very natural world that is run by what they see with these eyes, what they hear with these ears. They're living their everyday life unaware of the supernatural, but we should not be like that because we are supernatural beings. We are spiritual beings. We are children of God that should be in connection with the supernatural. Now, when I'm talking about all this stuff, I'm not talking about you being weird. I'm not talking about you walking with a twitch and talking to yourself and praying in tongues to yourself and you got a weird look in your eyes. No, I'm not talking about weird Christians when I talk about the supernatural here. Do I look weird? Don't answer that question. Talking about some naturally 
supernatural believers. Not weird about it, not fake about it, but genuine about it. That God is real, the supernatural is weird, I don't got to act weird about it because it's not. I have to walk in the supernatural power of God. And that the world needs to see more believers like that. Naturally supernatural. That are able to understand and to explain things to people that are unaware of the supernatural without coming across as weird and strange. But yet, speaking boldly and confidently about what you know that the Bible says. So, let's talk about angels. How about it? We're going to give you a four for four. Is that what they have at Wendy's? Four for four. Let's get to lunch early. It's 1055. We'll beat the Methodists to Wendy's today. We're going four for four. Everybody say four for four. Okay. So last week we started talking about angels. So angels are spiritual beings that God created that are good, that are holy, that are righteous, that God has made to not only serve him, but to serve his children. Can I get amen? amen? Angels, the Bible says, are messengers, are watchers, are sent ones for those who will inherit salvation. Let's read Hebrews 1 and verse 14. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Notice this, angels are servants, but notice they're spirits, and spirits are unseen. To care for people who will inherit salvation. Who's inherited salvation in here? Raise your hand. That means angels are for you. Because angels were created and made to serve God, but also to serve his family and to take care of his family. And it says that angels are sent to care for People who will inherit salvation, which are the children of God, which we are. Can I get amen? amen. Everybody say, that's me. that's me. So angels were created to care for you. Now, how many know if, if you knew something would help you and someone didn't tell you about it, you would be kind of upset about it? If you had on your job, if you had benefits or promises or an inheritance that you didn't know about it and no one told you about it, you'd be upset about it, wouldn't you? A lot of churches, that is the case. Because they don't tell you what the whole truth is. They just tell you a little bit of your benefits, a little bit of the promises. But the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. And angels are a part of your benefits as a believer. Angels are a part of the promises of God, the inheritance that you have as a child of God. Angels are a part of that inheritance. Amen? And so that's why we wanted to talk about angels some more today. We talked about it last week, but we're going to continue. Now notice it says that angels are sent to care for those who will inherit salvation. That word care in different translations or, or different backgrounds, it could mean this. Angels are sent to care to help, how many could use some help? To serve, to assist, some translation, to minister. That all comes out of that word. 
help, care, service, assist, and minister. So angels are sent to do those things for who? For the children of God. That's us. Angels are sent to care, assist, minister, and serve us. So we need to take advantage of what God has provided for us as believers. So we're going to do a four for four. Everybody say a four for four. Okay. Say that five times quick. No, you can't do it. Four for four. So we're going to get into this today. and I'm going to teach for a little bit, then we'll go preach. Just call me Angel Man Jr. That's what we're calling me these days. As I've been saying around the house, I'm Angel Man Jr. Natalie, I'm Angel Man Jr. Your papa is not the only Angel Man around here. Angel Man Jr. So, never seen an angel, just to clarify. Dad has, I haven't, but I'm still Angel Man Jr. So, last week, I just want to say, the doctor of angels approved of my message last week. So, he only heard the first one, so let's just pray the rest of them go well. I saved the weird stuff for today. No, I'm joking. Okay, so... First of all, we're going to do four for four. First of all, we're going to talk about the four types of angels mentioned in the Bible. Then we're going to talk about four ways angels help us. Sound good? Four for four. That's a dollar menu special. Man, that sounds good right now. Let me get a double cheeseburger, get some chicken nuggets, get a little fry, get a little what uh, frosty. Yeah, you got to get a frosty, and then you dip the fries in the frosty. And then if you're Amsie, you would get mayonnaise and dip it because he's disgusting. And <laughs> four for four. Everybody say four for four. So the Bible talks about four different types of angels. Now, some of this is, once again, it's spiritual brain candy. The point that you need to know is an, is an angel helping you or not? Not check their ID badge and like, what? Now, who do you work for again? What type of angel are you before you come and help me? No, that's not important. And majority of times in the Bible, just so you know, when an angel appeared, a lot of times they wouldn't say their name and they don't say what type of angel they are. Okay? But there is circumstances in the Bible that they do. That's why we have these four types of angels. But once again, majority of time they didn't say, I am and announced their name, and they didn't say, and I come from. No, they didn't announce that either. They just said, hey, I'm an angel. I'm here to help you. So the first type of angel mentioned in the Bible is the cherubim. Now, the cherubim are a type of angel that the Bible implies that they are a protector of holy things and holy people. The cherubim. Let me give you two examples as you're taking notes. The cherubim are, once again, protector of holy things and holy people or holy places. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were kicked out, it says that God left a cherubim at the entrance of the Garden of Eden so Adam and Eve couldn't get back in. So what was the cherubim doing? He was a protector of a holy place. And it was for their benefit that they didn't get back into the Garden of Eden. So God put an angel, a cherubim, who protected them 
from getting back into the Garden of Eden. So that was an example of a cherubim protecting holy things or holy places. The second thing, which is something that all of you would probably uh, remember, uh, not because you read your Bible, but because you watched Indiana Jones. <laughs> Laugh, it's hilarious. You guys aren't laughing now. <laughs> so the cherubim in the Ark of the Covenant, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant are two angels. And the two angels have their wings like this, and they're connected. Now the two angels that are on top of the Ark of the Covenant that God said for his people to make... And how many know the Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was? And in the Old Testament, you couldn't just touch the Ark of the Covenant, you would die. You couldn't just open up the Ark of the Covenant, you would die. Because you're a sinful person and you can't come in contact with something that's holy. So the cherubim were on top of the Ark of the Covenant with their wings outstretched. And they were protectors of a holy thing. Or a holy place. And it says that where the cherubims, there's two of them, had their wings outstretched in the middle of that was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is where when they would bring sacrifices that they would put the blood of an animal on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. Now the interesting thing is in Hebrews it says that the Old Testament tabernacle was a type and shadow of the real thing in heaven. So everything you see in the Old Testament tabernacle, the candles, the holy of holies, all of that is in heaven. So we could see in heaven, if it's a type and shadow of what's in heaven, he had it. Moses and the people make it just like the tabernacle in heaven, the tabernacle on earth. We could assume that in heaven there is two cherubims guarding and protecting the mercy seat of God today in heaven. So these two angels are protectors of holy things and holy places. Now that's what your Bible says. He said he made it after the pattern of what's in heaven. Meaning that there has to be the real thing, not just ones made out of gold in heaven. They're the real thing in there. They're not made out of gold or bronze or silver or anything else. They're not statues of angels in heaven. They're the real angels. So we see that in heaven there is two cherubims that guard the mercy seat. So cherubims are protectors of holy things and holy places. Uh, the second one is a seraphim. That word actually means burning ones. Burning ones. And a lot of times in the Bible, when angels, and even God sometimes, it describes God as fire. Meaning, that's what he looked like. Doesn't mean he's literally a fire and he's burning and he's hot and he's going to burn you up. That's not what it's meaning. It's meaning the way it looked to the people who wrote the Bible is God and the angels look like fire because they were so bright and it was so powerful. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So th this word seraphim or this type of angel seraphim means burning one. And the angels that are seraphims have to do with your worship and your prayers in heaven. The time that seraphims are mentioned in the Bible always has to do with the angels who are in the throne of God. The angels who 
worship God. No, they're the angels that are going around God's throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. These seraphims or burning ones are the angels that worship God. But also in the book of Revelation, it mentions these same angels are the ones who are in the throne room with God. And that when we pray, come on now somebody. When we pray, these angels are involved in our prayers. There's a verse in Revelation that talks about these angels take our prayers and they, they mix it in with the incense in heaven. And when they mix it with the incense of heaven, they send it back to earth. And when they send it back to earth, there's voices, there's signs, there's wonders, there's lightnings. So these angels, supernatural spiritual beings, once again, they're not God, but they've been created by God to serve him and to serve us, are even involved in our prayers and our intercession. I don't know how all that works. I'm not... In the supernatural. I'm not up in heaven right now. I don't know everything, but I believe the Bible. And if the Bible says they're in heaven, not only helping with worship, but they're helping with our prayers. And they're helping serve God in the throne room of God. And they're helping us out actually on earth. I believe it. Come on, do you believe it? And so we have cherubim and we have seraphim. The seraphim are burning ones that worship and they are involved with our prayers. The third one is guardian angels. Guardian angels. Guardian angels in the Bible are mentioned many times. But guardian angels, every person on the planet that's born here gets an angel. At least one. And I would say, depending on what you're called to do, maybe more. I would add to this. The more you believe in angelic ministry, I believe God will add more to your life. Now, we've heard Dad say this before, and I believe it too. People that don't believe in angels have their angels down at the unemployment line. So you know what happens? People that are in our church that actually believe the Word of God. Come on, anybody believe the Word of God? I believe God will say, well, I don't want you guys to keep standing around Go help Church on the Rock people because they actually believe in your ministry. They actually believe in angels as an inheritance and a promise for me. So stop standing in the unemployment line. Go help those people. I believe that. So guardian angels are given to all of us in here, at least one, maybe more. But depending on what you're called to do, there can be more added to you. And once again, the more revelation you have on it, I believe there will be more sent to help your life. It was spoken actually over this church that this church and this property would be a habitation for angels. Why? Because we believe in them around here. Once again, we don't worship them. We don't worship angels around here. We're not weird. We don't have any statues of angels around here. We're not worshiping angels, but we do believe in them. And we believe in their ministry because God said they're for us. So we see that angelic ministry happens when you believe in them. So guardian angels, number four. Now we're going four for four. Everybody say four for four. <laughs> so we have cherubim, seraphim, guardian angels. Number four, archangels. Now the word archangel means a chief or prince angel. 
Or we could say this because a lot of times the Bible uses the example, especially with angels and demons, that there is a hierarchy of angelic and demonic spirits. There is like military ranks. So there's privates and captains and sergeants, but then there's generals. So archangels, if we were going to use a military term, archangels would be a general in God's army. Come on, how many want to sing that? I'm in the Lord's army. All right, I've been in church way too long, people. (laughs) Help me, Lord. So archangels are a general in God's army, so they have a high rank. That means other angels are under them. And it says an archangel is a chief or prince angel. So archangels in the Bible have a leadership role among other angels. Now, the only angel in the Bible named an archangel, now there, there could be more, and I believe there is more, is Michael. Michael was and is an archangel, and he was known to be a warrior. Anybody remember Michael in the Bible? So Michael is the only one mentioned specifically that he is an archangel in your Bible. Michael, and he was a warrior. In some of the study and research I did about this, they said the two others that possibly could be, would make sense that they were, is Gabriel could be an archangel. He's known to be the messenger. Anytime an important message happened in the Bible, Gabriel was usually involved in it. But also, Lucifer. Lucifer was an archangel because he had other angels under him, and he was in charge of worship. And everybody said, beware of worship leaders. Y'all think I'm, y'all think I'm joking. So, archangel. So cherubim, seraphim, guardian angel, archangel. Four types of angels mentioned in the Bible. Once again, there could be more but we're just talking about what the Bible says. Once again, what's important is not that they name themselves and proclaim what type of angel there are. What's important is that they help you and they care for you and they assist you. That's important. So four types of angels. Did you guys get something from that? Okay. So we're going to get into the rest of this and we're going to talk about the four ways, and there's more than four ways, but we're going to just talk about four. The four ways that angels help us or assist us or care for us like the bible says the first one is protection psalm 91 in verse 11 it says god sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm i love that notice god sends angels with special orders now this is secret service stuff this is cia God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Notice that, defending you from all harm. So what's the number one way I would say that God uses angels to help us and care for us? They bring protection. And that's probably the the number one way that people will recognize angels. They think about protection when they think about angelic ministry. Which is true. The number one thing they do, angels are sent to protect us and to guard us and to keep us from all harm. We see that in the Old Testament and even the New Testament that angels were sent to protect and to guard the children of God. 
sometimes from uh, a king, sometimes from animals, sometimes from, from a natural disaster, sometimes from trauma. The angels were sent to protect and guard the people of God. So the number one thing the angels do in your life and my life, if we believe in them, they bring protection. And I believe around here that angels can protect you from anything. There's people that have tragedies, but it's not for us. It's not for the children of God. It shouldn't be normal for children of God to have accidents and tragedies and bad things happen. No, it shouldn't be. I know some of those things do happen, but it shouldn't be the norm. Because we believe in protection around here. And we believe the angels, the number one thing they do is they bring protection and they guard us and they protect us in all of our ways wherever we go. Come on, do you believe that today? But we got to be honest with ourselves. A lot of times when things like that happen is because the person that it happened to wasn't believing in angelic protection. They just assumed because they were a Christian that angels were just going to automatically do it, but they had no faith in it. Come on, am I getting between you and your makeup so far? We got to say it. Because angels are called to protect us and keep us in all our ways. And myself included, a lot of times when stuff happens to us, we got to acknowledge maybe I really wasn't believing in angelic ministry. Maybe I really wasn't believing in the protection that they provided. I didn't have faith in it. I just assumed it would happen. So the number one thing they, they do to care for us and help us is they bring protection. Number two, they bring healing. John 5 and verse 1 in the Passion Translation, they bring healing. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called, in Aramaic, the House of Loving Kindness. Man, that's a good name. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. Verse 3, hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches, the paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, all of them waiting for their healing. Verse 4, for an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed. So angels can bring healing. Angels can bring healing. Angels are supernatural, spiritual beings that God has created. Once again, notice, to help us, to care for us. And angels can bring healing. And this passage that we just read, it talks about that there's all these sick people lying around this pool. And this was in the time and days that Jesus lived. And they waited. They had enough knowledge of angels to realize there was an angel that went into the water and started up. And the first sick person that got in there was instantly healed. Now we go on and we read the story because Jesus was coming and he was saying, hey, why are you waiting around the pool? I can heal you right now. You don't even got to jump in the hot tub. Just, just stick with me and you'll instantly be healed. And the man was healed. But the point was angels can bring healing. Angels can bring healing. Now think of it this way. 
Once again, we don't worship angels. We don't do anything like that. But angels can bring healing in the same way that you and I can bring healing. The healing power doesn't originate in the angel, but they're being used by God to give it to somebody who needs it. Just in the same way, if I prayed for you and you got healed, it's not me. But what's happening, God is using me as a channel, as an avenue to get healing to you. And God does the same thing with angels. Angels doesn't, I mean, healing doesn't originate in an angel because they're not God. But he uses angelic beings that are supernatural to bring healing to people that need it. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. It's, it's beyond what we can understand. Now, I've heard this said before, and we believe in healing around here. Every great man and woman of God who was a healing evangelist or revivalist had angels in their ministry. Study it. In the past several thousand years, any great woman and man of God who was used in healing and miracles had angelic visitations, had angels used when they would minister to people. Either they would hear them or they would see them when they were praying for people. Every person. Angels and healing go together. Now we know that dad, he has a healing anointing in his life. And he's mentioned several times that there is angels that work with him in the healing ministry. And there's also certain angels that heal certain things. Now that messes with your mind, doesn't it? But what? It's supernatural. It's beyond sometimes that we can comprehend and our natural finite brains. That God can do that, but he can. And we know even dad has ministered that before and talked about how certain angels that help him heal certain types of things. Now, how do you know he's not making it up? Because there's fruit. Anybody can say there's an angel working with them. But when the, their spine straightens out, believe the man if he says he's got an angel with him. There's fruit there. He talks about the E.T. angel. Now, I'm not even allowed to watch E.T. still. I'm 31 years old. But dad talks about there's an angel that has a glowing hand or glowing finger that cleared out somebody's lungs and then they didn't have that lung disease anymore and they could breathe normally. That's fruit. Now, if you hear somebody just getting up and saying stuff like that and there's no fruit, they're full of it and they're weird. Okay, I'm trying to give you a balance here, church family. But when someone's seasoned like that and has 40 years of fruit, believe what they're saying. They're not making it up. So angels in healing go together. Once again, we don't pray to an angel for healing. But you know what? If God wants to use an angel to heal my body, I'll receive it. If I get up in a prayer line and somebody says, hey, there's an angel behind you and he's going to touch you and you're going to be healed, I receive it. Because God can use angels to heal people. So we see that how does... God send angels to help us and care for us. Protection, number one. Number two, angels can bring healing. Now, we're not just talking about spiritual healing, physical healing to your body. Number three, angels can bring strength. Luke 22, 
and verse 41. You guys get something today? I know I'm saying a lot in one message, but I think it's good for you today. Luke 22, 41, angels can bring strength. Now, this is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's think next time. If you act like, well, I don't need angels and I don't need their help. Jesus did. But you don't. The Son of God. God in the flesh needed angelic help and angelic ministry when he was on the earth. But you don't. Anybody say that doesn't make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. No, you do. That's the point. You do need help because Jesus needed help. Why? Because he was walking as a man on the earth, God in the flesh. So it says that, and he was, a, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down to pray. This is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane about to go to the cross, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, look what happened. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Angels can bring strength. Angels can bring strength. Notice, an angel appeared to Jesus himself, and he brought strength to him in his time of temptation. This is Jesus. An angel appeared to him, and he brought strength. Now, I don't know how he brought the strength, but he brought him strength in his time of temptation, and especially right before he was about to endure the cross for us. That supernatural strength that that angel helped Jesus with, helped him overcome temptation and do what he was called to do. Now, now this was a scripture. I'm not making this up. So angels can bring strength. We see that angels also helped Jesus when he was tempted in the desert for 40 days. When he was tempted by Satan three different times, it says that the angels came and not only protected him from the animals, but they gave strength to him in his temptation. You follow me today? Angels can bring strength. We see in the Old Testament that a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament had experiences with angels. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, these angels would come and they would bring strength to these prophets. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw this. There's always angels involved in prophets in the Old Testament. That could be the explanation of dad and his ministry as a prophet in angels. Because for whatever reason, some reason in the Bible, they go together. Prophets and angels. So there's a reason that dad has seen things and experienced things that we don't see because we're not called to do what he's called to do. Because he's a prophet. Now, once again, we shouldn't beat ourselves up for that. We shouldn't think, well, I'm not as spiritually as mature as him. That's why I don't see stuff. No, it's because of what he's called to do. Has nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. It has to do with he's called to be a prophet and you're not. So you're probably not going to see into that other world. You're probably not going to have that same ministry with angels because prophets and angels go together. Is this too much teaching on a Sunday morning? 
So we see in the Old Testament that prophets were imparted strength by angels. Sometimes the angels would touch them and there would be supernatural strength imparted. Sometimes the angels would speak to them and supernatural strength would be imparted. We see prophets like Isaiah, Daniel, Elijah, Ezekiel. All these prophets in the Old Testament had a lot of experiences with angels. And they would speak to them or touch them and they would impart strength to them. Now, once again, it's in the supernatural. I know your brain is going, what in the world? How could that be possible? It's in the other world. It's in the supernatural. Once again, it's a greater, more powerful dimension and world than what we live in. And these angels are used, once again, as a vehicle to use the power of God. The power doesn't come from them. It comes from God to help people. So we see the angels bring strength. They bring strength through touch, through words. And even one time, angels brought Elijah food. Brought Elijah food, and he lived off that food for a long period of time and got strength from it. I think the Bible actually says he baked a cake for him, which was the first angel food cake. I had to. I worked hours on that joke yesterday. That was the first angel food cake ever made. Elijah ate it after that angel baked that cake for him. First angel food cake ever. Man, I just spent hours on that. I, was, I didn't nail the, the delivery as good as I wanted to, but you could tell all your neighbors that joke later today. First angel food cake in the Bible. So we see that strength was imparted by touch, by food, by even words from angels in the Old Testament. So that means angels could do that for us. Angels can do that for us. They can bring strength. Lastly, number four, they can bring deliverance. They can bring deliverance. So we're going to turn to Acts 5 or Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 5. Before we read this, we realize Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel 6.21, it says that the angel came and shut the mouth of the lion, so Daniel was delivered. So Acts 15 and verse 5, it says, But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted. I think this is the wrong verse. Keep going. Let's see what we got here. Next verses. All right, I'm going to have to look at my own Bible. I think I gave you the wrong thing. Okay, so it's in Acts. We're going to have to, (laughs) we're narrowing it down, guys. It's in Acts. He's wearing a hat. (laughs) Two words. Acts. Did it go? Stay with me. Stay with me. You still here? 
why do I have Acts 15 written down? <laughs> okay, no, it's about Peter. Okay. Lock 12. Who said that? You get five praise bucks after service. Okay, let me see here. Okay, you're right. She is right. Okay, Acts 12. I'm sorry. Acts 12, verse... Which verse? Okay, well, I'm going to start with five, but you're right. Acts 12, verse 5, because I want you to hear this. It says, but, but while Peter was in prison, Acts 12, verse 5, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, what do we say? Angels and prayer go together, right? This is verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial and he was asleep, he was fastened with two chains. Everybody say two chains. Yeah, you need to be delivered if you listen to him. Um, <clears throat> between two soldiers and others stood guard at the prison gate. So Peter was on lockdown. Peter had a ton of guards surrounding him. And verse 7, it says, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. And verse 8, and then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. And now put on your coat and follow me. Verse 9, so Peter left the cell, followed the angel, but all the time he thought he was having a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. In verse 10, they passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. All by itself automatic doors before they had automatic doors so they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him verse 11 peter finally came to his senses it's really true he said listen to this because angels bring deliverance the lord has sent his angel and saved me from herod and from the jewish leaders and what they had planned to do to me so angels bring deliverance. You see, they bring deliverance in the Old Testament, but they bring deliverance in the New Testament. In this case, Peter, who was a church leader, was locked in prison because they wanted to kill him. Now, once again, this is real persecution, not someone called you out on Facebook. They were going to chop his head off the next day. But what happened? The church prayed, implying if the church didn't pray, Peter wouldn't have been in the early church anymore because they already killed one church leader before they killed Peter. But it says the church prayed because why? We have a part to play in what angels do and what they don't do. And when the church prayed, heaven heard that prayer. And what happened? The angels who are involved with prayer got involved with it. And he sent an angel down to help Peter. And it says when he sent angel, the angel down there, all his chains came off and everybody's bands were loosed. Now where you at, D? Anybody remember that song? Everybody's bands are loose. Come on, little ZZ Top at the same time. Let's get it. I just wish I had Daryl playing that, like, the whole entire sermon today. Everybody's bands were loosed. 
And this is not the only time this happened in the book of Acts. But we see his bands were loosed and he ran out of the prison. He thought he was in a dream. He thought he was in a vision. And while they were running, notice because it's a supernatural being, has a lot of power and strength, this angel does, all the doors just opened up. No one had to unlock the door. No one had to look for the key. Just the door started opening up. The gates opened up, and Peter walked out into the street free. And then the angel left. He did what he was called to do, and he left. And what did he do? He brought deliverance to Peter. It's interesting if you keep reading that passage, Peter showed up at one of the house churches right after he got delivered. Imagine this. And the girl opened the door. I think her name was Rhoda. What a name. Rhoda. Opened the door up, saw it was Peter, and slammed the door. And she went back. Read it. It's in your Bible. And she ran back to the rest of the people, and she said, I think it's Peter, but it's probably his angel. Think about that. The New Testament church, the early church, had so much teaching about angels that the first thought, it's not Peter, it's his angel. Don't you think that's unusual? If I came to your door and you saw me, your first thought wouldn't be, oh, that's Pastor Jordan's angel. It's probably not him. But they had so much teaching on angels, and then the rest of the people were like, hey, Rhoda, we've been praying for his deliverance. It's not Peter's angel. It's Peter. So Peter came in, and he's like, hey, guys. An angel came and delivered me, and your prayers worked. But notice that deliverance was brought through an angel. And I believe this, and we're going to close here because I've been going a long time today, and I appreciate you for listening. I believe this with all my heart. Once again, because angels, what they're used by God to serve, to care, to assist, and it's not their power, but it's God's power. Angels can bring not just physical deliverance, but I believe mental deliverance. I believe any kind of deliverance you need, that an angel could be sent to you by God and bring deliverance if you believe in their ministry. That's what the Bible says. Now, we got scriptures for everything we just said here. And angels can bring deliverance. Let's believe for it. When you're driving to work tomorrow, believe God's delivering me. I don't get in wrecks because angels are with me and I'm delivered. And someone brought a, 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 a gun to my job. I don't get shot because angels deliver me. At my school, I'm protected. If someone comes in, they're trying to harm people. Why? Because angels bring deliverance. And I believe an angel could tell you ahead of time, don't even go. I've heard a ton of reports through the years from people I know and then even people I, I don't know. But when 9-11 happened in those two towers, there was hundreds and hundreds of people that you don't know about that heard, don't go to work today. Or maybe they were in the building and they felt like, I need to go somewhere else and I need to get out and take a breakfast this morning. Or I need to go get coffee right now. What's that? That was angels delivering them. And we got to be honest enough to say, God's always speaking to us. He's always trying to protect us and bring deliverance and bring protection and bring healing and bring strength. But we have to listen to receive it.
Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? But a lot of times the way he does that is through angels. So once again, angels bring protection. They bring strength. They can bring healing to us. They can bring deliverance. And that's a part of our benefits as children of God. 